We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, you know, in full swing, Grayson, we have never been so unintentionally on point. Um, mm. The Olympics are going on. Oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, not everyone's a winner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to take some time to acknowledge the losers. So that's yeah. why we are... Sure, for the Olympics. <laughs> that's the reason. Not because we wanted to review a movie of uh, DC anti-heroes teaming up against a government agency. It's we the Olympics. We could do both. We could do both. <laughs> yes, that's right. We are reviewing the 2010 uh, DC Vertigo Comics movie, The Losers. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, because of the Suicide Squad, I feel like we should. They it's, even it, said in the movie, it's yeah. a suicide mission. I just was so pleased with myself. Again, if you're new to this podcast, we just we take a look at movies that are being released here in present time and then see what loose connection we can make to a movie that was released in the past. And then sometimes we stick the landing. Mm-hmm. So perfect. 10 out of 10. And sometimes Idris Elba just thinks, haven't I already done this movie? <laughs> oh, man. So for those of you who don't know, uh, The Losers, uh, it, it's on Netflix. I think it's like number one on Netflix right now. At the oh, really? time I watched it recording. on HBO Max. Yeah. It so it's just, on both? It just came out on Netflix. There is like a new news article about how this movie has risen to the top oh. of Netflix viewing because everyone's just discovering this movie. So uh, if you want some uh, research on this we're perfectly timed for that. So The Losers was a largely unknown comic book series by Vertigo Comics. And Vertigo Comics is uh, one of those uh, more indie uh, comic book publishers that's not a part of like you know the marvel dc even though i think dc does do a lot of distribution through vertigo comics uh some other vertigo comic characters some i i want to say like swamp thing um, Oh, okay and uh and dc vertigo has done like a full-on merger but i want to say like back in the day um the sandman was a vertigo comic um and oh I the want- neil gaiman sandman mm-hmm. oh okay yeah yeah, I get it mixed up with Dark Horse a lot of the time, um, right? But it's it's all in that that same kind of more independent esque, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, comic yeah. company. Yeah, Why the Last Man, V for Vendetta. There's I Zombie, um, and then I think another kind of more known one that kind of got absorbed into the DC world. But Doom Patrol um, was also oh. originally wow. a, um, a Vertigo comic. So that comic company was doing, um, you know, they've been in the industry for a while, uh, but they released this 32 issue comic that it just followed the tale of, um, you know, the losers. Uh, it's an explosive tale of double cross and revenge. Uh, the loser centers upon the members of an elite U.S. Special Forces unit that is betrayed and left for dead by their superiors, galvanizing them to mount an offense on the CIA. Yeah, heck of a cold open. Oh, um, yeah. Real, real big. And uh, with a lot of the comic properties that you just named, too, this movie goes darker than you would typically be able to in a Marvel or DC film. 
Mm-hmm. It is, um, I mean, when your cold open has like a child body count, it's like, okay, yeah. what kind of movie is this? But it's a real strong motivation to get on board with the main characters. You instantly like them because they're like, yeah, we got to save all these kids. Right. Yeah. And and I was really surprised. Like, even with that opening, I'm just like, this is a PG-13 movie? Oh, my was it? good. Yeah, PG-13. That's, mm, that's wild. Surprising. But that was a 2010 PG-13. Ah, right, 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 right. right. Uh, and so uh, this movie first uh, kind of made its way into the the movie verse, uh, largely because of the timing. A lot of people forget that, uh, you know, nowadays we don't have a ton of comic book adaptations outside of the big two, Marvel or DC. I know Bloodsport uh, was one of the most recent indie mm-hmm. kind of comics that were released as a movie theater. And you get like uh, a, Umbrella Academy, right? You, for you get streaming, those, but right, you get yeah. those as series, though. Like, and right. we're seeing more with like Invincible um, is mm. another kind of indie comic that um, is being more serialized. But as far as these big movie releases uh, in the early two thousands, I'm thinking back to like The Spirit, Three Hundred, mm. and and Why the Last Man. I think Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim. Oh yes, uh, and Why the Last Man has been talked about for years of being in development yeah. oh. it's gonna be shia labeouf and now it's he's gonna have like the giver problem yes where he's like oh i guess now i'm the old character yeah i think tom holland i think has been the the new person to be in talks to be released uh, as a series or, or as the new front runner for that uh, movie series uh but like the timing like people were making a lot of indie comic movies because with the success of the movie like like 300 i think 300 and some of the other marvel movies that were really doing a a lot at that time the mcu was just getting started around that time i think that um, some of these more popular properties were being looked to be optioned so uh tim story was initially announced as the film's director in 2007 and um and the losers was thought to be a noticeable departure because if you're wondering why you have captain america in this movie well tim story directed fantastic four and fantastic four colon rises the silver surfer so he He's 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 a big fan, uh, but he loved the war film genre, uh, and so he saw influences from uh, Black Hawk Down and Band of Brothers. And quote, I was looking for a vehicle that would have that edge, uh, but I didn't want to lose my personality, which is a bit tongue in cheek, where the characters have a little fun with each other. End quote. So uh, Tim Story kind of took this concept and ran with it. Uh, with a budget of $25 million, it went on to make over $29 million in the box office, and it made over $8.2 million on DVD sales, bringing it to a grand total of $37.6 million uh, total. So that's that's impressive like this movie did pretty okay for itself and it did have some critical acclaim as well uh, idris elba won the bet award for best actor and uh zoe saldana got nominated for outstanding actress in a motion picture uh, for an image award um but they had other nominees like best sound editing like technically it is very well executed 
Um, but yeah, they got nominated for um, Best Sound Editing with the Motion Picture Sound Editors. And then the Scream Awards, um, they got nominated for two Scream Awards, one for Fight Scene of the Year, um, uh-huh. whenever they're in the hotel room and then the whole thing catches on fire. And then great. also um, Best Comic Book Movie uh, of the Year. Uh, it was a nominee for that. And, uh, and then finally, they had two nominees for Teen Choice Awards. Um, because you got to remember at the time too, it was like comic book movies were more geared towards teenagers, which is yep. why they kept it in that PG 13 space. Um, and they had, uh, they were nominated for choice movie actress and an action adventure Zoe Saldana and then choice movie action adventure. So it, it's not like this was a sleeper hit. It, it was, you know, known at the time. And then I feel like, other similar movies kind of put it to the back of the line, but it's good to hear now that with Netflix and HBO Max, which is crazy that they're running it concurrently, that it is coming to the forefront again. Because the first thing I did after I finished the movie was why no sequel and Googled if there were any developments in it. And uh, I did not find anything solid but they could easily bring it back at any point. It kind of gave you that same uh, cliffhanger ending that uh, Super Mario Brothers movie kind of mm. left you. It's just like, mm. oh, we're going to see more of this. Right? 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 Please? Hello? I mean, I, I was reminded and just transported back to 2010 because I'm like, that's right. Like, the, uh, the superhero movie genre uh, was still hyper-stylized. Uh, and so, the, and people give Zack Snyder a hard time for having like all these super slow mo shots, but like they are literally hard cutting uh, these scenes where you can literally see it, and they will uh, they'll freeze on a, f- a frame, and then it will cut to like an uh, animated drawn panel, um, just straight up. And so, like you really do feel like you are moving like between different panels just from like the fast movement of the the cameras and it just felt like a, just a completely different kind of movie that you're not used to seeing um as much nowadays because uh, a lot of it uh is due to the reality that a lot of these uh current comic book movies are grounded in uh and they're not trying to necessarily make you feel like you're watching a comic book movie or the super stylized action film they're trying to make you feel like well, we're really grounded in this reality with these otherworldly characters that have all these uh, spectacular abilities. Uh, yeah. So it was really fun yeah. to, to be reminded of this genre and style. Because, I mean, you think back to 300 or The Spirit. Uh, ooh, or um, Sin City. That's another one that I knew yeah. I was forgetting. That was just, like, really super visually stylized. And that was, like, one of the the monikers of a comic book movie of like what style they're going for, whether it's like these muted colors or if it's just super highly contrasted. Uh, And it was fun to be reminded of that ride. Yeah. And black and white to feel like print and imitate the medium. Um, Now that you bring it up, the comic book aesthetic, especially in the intro and outro uh, yeah, it does remind you, Oh, this is from a comic book, which makes it, even more of a bold move in the Marvel opens where they they show you the script, right? It'll say like Banner, I'm always angry and all that. Leaning into the fact that, yes, we all know that their source material is the comics, but this is the cinematic universe. right? Um, so if we're going to bring in any kind of 
referential aesthetic to the process that this was developed, it's going to be the scripts instead of the comics. Uh, I never, I never realized that till just now. Yeah, it's uh, it. it the, I really enjoy this movie. So this was not my first time watching this movie. No. Oh, you. Oh, YMCA. Uh, no, I. I in twenty ten. <laughs> so um, I want to say we just, I just rented it. Uh, I remember watching it at my neighbor's house, uh, and it was just a rent. I remember we we got this from Hollywood Video, and we rented it and watched it. And we're like, oh, that was fun. And then shortly after, it was announced that Chris Evans was going to be the new Captain America. And I was just like, well, I just saw him in The Losers, and he he has the build for it. And uh, and and I thought that that would be. And that this was the movie that gave me evidence that Chris Evans could do that. Because the if, first three lines of the movie, but yeah. this country gave me everything. Uh, and then, and also, whenever he uh, is putting, uh, doing finger guns at the people who are mm. in the building, he's like, "I, I was a part of a government experiment that gave me telekinesis." I was like, "Did they? They had to have known, right? They, they had to have known." Moments like that that I was just uh, really excited uh, to be reminded of. Just like, if only we would have known. Uh, but yeah, this was not my first time watching it. But it was uh, it was fun to see this kind of collaborative team. Because uh, just shortly after this release, they released the, um, a Charlie's Angels-esque revival of the A-Team. Um, oh. And they did oh, like... Bradley Cooper and... Yeah. Yes, and so they uh, and Liam Neeson, um, mm. and so they released that movie, and it gave me a lot of those vibes. Um, even though I think that one was kind of um, maybe prequel s or kind of like what they typically do with a lot of uh, TV revival uh, movies, is like they'll try, they'll tell the origin story of like how these characters met or how they first kind of became the the titular characters. Uh, and so it, it reminded me of that. And I think if that A-Team movie did not come out, that they probably would have had a sequel. But mm. I think um, it was just kind of like a fight for that similar genre of this, uh, you know, this action war era um, team um, that is kind of a band of misfits that are trying to stop evil. But it's also, you know, potentially just... A sign of the times that like people didn't uh support those kinds of movies nearly as much as they were supporting some of the other superhero movies especially since they were based on other properties and maybe they just you know decided not to go for it we'll never know because you know we're not hollywood executives 10 years ago well it's also really different because so many superhero movies at the time the baseline was like spider-man and x-men especially yep. for group superhero movies right and like these characters don't really have superpowers. Um, mm -hmm. They have superpowers on the level of like Fast and Furious, right? Yeah. So they're just very good at what they do. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. a it's a different kind of thing. It almost feels it's like a subgenre, really. Yeah, yeah. And that and that's also something I think that spoke to comics at the time because I think that a lot of people. Uh, I think some of the comic book movies that did not do as well at the time were like, oh, yeah, well, we need to make this for kids, Green Lantern. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, let's just make a fun kids movie and kids will really like it. But the thing that a lot of people forget about is that like kids 
tend to like material that is not uh, that's slightly above their um, age of maturity. So, like, if you're trying to make a movie for middle schoolers, you're going to make content that is potentially even like about high schoolers because that's how they see themselves. They see themselves kind of beyond their years. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. the reason why a lot of kids gravitated towards Star Wars, the original trilogy, is because not because there were kids in it, but because they saw these really cool adults that they were like, yeah, like I'm like Han. Like that's why everyone really loved Han as yeah, a that, That's why I watched the Kaminsky method. It's just <laughs> really looking forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why... I'm showing my son Breaking Bad. Uh, it's just so he can really start to see. This is what the, your mid fifties are like. This is what it's like. But was this your first time watching this movie? Yeah, definitely. And I had seen so many screenshots from this movie that I didn't know were from this movie, especially a bunch of the Chris Evans stuff. Oh yeah. Um, when he's sneaking around the office. Uh, so I was delighted by it. I thought it was. You know, very intense action, surprisingly funny, and just this self-contained kind of film, even though I would like to see more of a, a sequel. And it was fun to see so... I mean, I think almost everyone in the cast I knew from something else. Yeah. So that was fun, especially Columbus Short, who played Pooch. Um, I know him as Darius from uh, Studio 60. He plays one of the writers... And so I was like, oh, I like, and he's been in so many other things. But to me, like, that was my, my entry point. And that was, so this movie was maybe like three years after Studio 60 went off the air. But to see, to see this movie now with the hindsight of knowing that, like, all right, half this cast is going to be in the MCU. And <laughs> we got Thomas Wayne in here and, like. All that stuff to know that they would go on to other DC and Marvel properties was really fun. Even even um, the guy that plays Wade, uh, Holt, uh, I'm going to screw up his last name, McCallany, mm-hmm. uh, or McElhaney, I don't know, Holt, oh, yeah. the Wade guy. He's big on Mindhunter. Um, so oh. it'd be like, oh, dude, you're going to... So this really did feel like that uh, that kind of flashback feel of... If I had seen it when it first came out, I know I would see it through a different lens now um, and see it through a different lens uh, from doing the podcast. Like Jason Patrick, he's in this as the the very villainous villain, Max, um, but we knew him as the... what would you say? Oh, I just said home again, home again, jiggity jig, which is what he says <laughs> when he's on a boat. On a boat. Because we know him from Speed 2. His character was interesting because when I was reading through, um, apparently, spoiler alert if you ever want to read the comics, I guess. But oh, his, yeah. his character is, is fascinating because he is secretly the big twist that they don't use in the movie, but would have been interesting if they did. And feels like they were holding off to use in the sequel is that he is an identical twin. And the only nod to that in the the comics, I guess, or the way you figure it out is if he has a white glove or a, a black glove. Did we ever find out what happened to his hand? Why it's like that? No. Again, I think that they were saving that for another movie, mm. uh, which g- gives me, I, I guess, uh, something that happens in this movie is like th- at the very climax of the movie, it's just like they finally confront with Max. And it feels like they were just like, listen, 
I know that you really want to end this with like a really powerful confrontation, but we got to wrap this up. And it just kind of ends like almost as quickly as it started. And it's just like, yeah, Max got away. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll see him next time. It's like, good job, team. And like, that's like, that's it. And then he uh, ends up on a bus, which he never got to do in Speed 2. Yeah, which we are really just showing our headcanon <laughs> hands right now. But this movie is such a is such a fun experience, especially with seeing everyone on, in this movie. Like, to, to imagine that you could make a movie with such heavy hitters and then to, like, for it to be as fun as what it was. Um, because I... I I think uh, the reason this movie isn't uh, as memorable um, isn't or just in like why people aren't talking about like, you know, the losers. Uh, that movie was really great. Like We just aren't talking about it as much. I think it just has a lot to do with, you know, also the year, because this is also the year that The Dark Knight came out. Um, and so I get it. Uh, but this movie is <laughs> really is going to draw focus. Uh, and, and so uh, it, it's really fun to see a movie like this that still um, told a really fun story in a really interesting way uh, with such a really great team of people. Because I think something that they did well in this movie um, that and I still haven't seen Suicide Squad because uh, I've been like super busy. Uh, but the. I, I really like the team dynamics. Like the everyone's specialty kind of shows up in a really fun and interesting way, um, and you you kind of see this family dynamic, which I think is something that's a little bit different than what you typically see with the Avengers. I love uh, Chris Evans's character Jensen. Like his big draw is like, oh yeah, I have a niece who's on a soccer team, and like that's. The thing that he's really into. I'm like, that's so, that's such a, a wonderful, fun motivation for a character. Mm -hmm. Of just like, yeah, like, you know, I work for the CIA, but like, I'm, as a person, I'm really into like my niece's uh, soccer team. And he's just like, like, that's his thing. Uh, that, and that's what like grounds him. Like, in, in addition to him being like super sarcastic, which everyone kind of is in their own right. Uh, the, these are people. I do think it's interesting that all of them either have or make reference to other um, family or relationships in their life, except for Roke, as far as I can remember. Right. Um, so they all have attachments that keep, that, like, shows that they value family and togetherness and all that, um, except for the outlier. So, yeah. Right. One of those nice subtleties in a movie that doesn't, on on the surface seem that subtle but there's a lot going on okay so one of my favorite parts of the movie was when zoe zaldana was on top of a freight uh or the, yeah it was, it was shipping containers okay and you know what she fired hmm a bazooka oh uh it would have been cooler if she fired a head cannon head cannon <laughs> Head Cannon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So, listen, uh, any long-term listeners of this podcast is going to know what we're about to do. Uh, so, I'm just going to rapid fire, throw out my Head Cannon. Uh, Walking Dead prequel. Boom. Uh, uh, this is a, a Luther prequel. Boom. Ooh. 
Um, this is also a sequel to Speed 2. Boom. And this is a Marvel What If, uh, if uh, uh, Captain America never had uh, the superhero serum and then just was active in the military and then just had a son who went into the special ops and Chris Evans is Captain America's son. Boom. Um, and uh, Learned everything from Uncle Howard. <laughs> precisely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is a sequel to Drumline. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. L- loose connection because Columbus short, um, only because this has to do with um campus life. But he- I also know him from uh Stomp the Yard, uh, mm. which is basically um, you know, drumline but for um Greek stepping competitions. Uh, so uh, somehow bridge those gaps, boom. Mm, mm. When you say Greek stepping competitions, do you mean like fraternity sorority or yes. like my big fat Greek wedding? Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't really know. Uh, I hadn't seen it. Um, I, my headcanon uh, is that even though this is a, a Vertigo DC property, that this is nestled squarely in the X-Men world. Oh, okay. Um, and oh. that... When yeah. Jensen is doing his monologue about experiments and telekinesis, that that's true, um, and I don't, I actually don't think it's telekinesis, like he says. I think it is telepathy, and that Cougar and Jensen share a psychological bond uh, to where they're able to communicate back and forth. Because Cougar doesn't say a ton, and Jensen says a whole lot. But the two of them, <laughs> even when they're working in the doll factory, the yeah. two of them really are never that far away from each other. Yeah. So I do think it's kind of that connection of, of uh, personalities there. Uh, and I also, I don't know why I thought, oh, I remember <laughs> uh, that Max is secretly Magneto. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he doesn't work a ton with metal, but if he did, maybe the wounds on his hand are like some kind of metal poisoning or that kind of thing, like metallic. Um, but the main thing that made me think that was what he did that at, that island, that that was um, kind of like that Magneto Island illusion ah, there yeah, that yeah. he could destroy, but then also create and then create a, a haven for all this. But what re- really made me think of it was that X on the side of the van. Yeah. <laughs> Just a red yeah. X right through the middle. Doesn't mm-hmm. seem to really point to anything. Um, but X men marks the spot. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're kind of thinking more X Force. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we got a Wade, so why not? <laughs> and he probably survived. If he is Deadpool, yeah. he just went right through that uh, yeah. airplane engine, got chopped up and regenerated. Yep, I mm-hmm. love it. I absolutely love it. That's great. Ah, oh, and, and you actually made me think of um, a, another little drop of head cannon, uh, and it's just that. Um, Jason Patrick in this universe, um, actually, this is kind of like a prequel to some degree on the, what the timeline you want to go with. I would like to think that this is secretly going to lead to an Inspector Gadget storyline oh. because Jason Patrick ultimately becomes Dr. Claw. That is strong. Yep. <sighs> yep, and, yep. And then... Some other person, and I would wager that it would be Chris Evans, and that would be so fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, or anyone from the team becomes 
Mr. Inspector. Yeah, I Mr. mean, with Gadget. all of his his technology, I mean, he's the tech guy. So to have an accident where that has to be incorporated into him, uh, that's Thank the you. one. Thank you. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I mean, honestly, just I I just want to re- get the band back together. Yeah, if there's the- ever been an as is movie, <laughs> it's this one. Except maybe replace Jason Patrick with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. 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 <laughs> How does it feel? <laughs> Jason Patrick's just like watching like wait a second he stole your bit oh yeah who who do you have because I'm 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 stuck here because I'm like oh just really I either want them to go younger Mm -hmm. um and kind of do like a a Muppet Babies uh but they it's just like it's the losers but it's essentially uh for anyone who knows me Personally, that's probably the only way that you know this show. Uh, in the early 2000s, there was a cartoon called Fillmore, which was basically a procedural crime show, but it was all about these middle school hall monitors. Oh, and they yeah. solved these different crimes and everything. And it was one of my favorite shows. But the reason why I'm bringing that show up is because the cartoon Fillmore had those uh, circular glasses that were very similar to Chris Evans's character. Uh, and if you look at the comic iteration of that, that's how uh, Jensen is portrayed with those circular glasses and it's kind of like reflected. And so he just looks super cool. So that made me think of that. I would love for them to basically do a high school version of The Losers uh, where it's basically the similar premise, except instead of it being like this high crime thing, um, uh, it's just like high school. It's, so basically I'm bridging the gap between Brick, um, mm-hmm. the uh, Joseph Gordon-Lovett um, neo-noir f- film that basically had to do with like the high school crime. And yeah, bridge the gap between those kinds of things where it's not quite Riverdale, um, but it's a little bit more on the action comedy side of things so i would love for them to age down (laughs) everyone and i think that that would be really fun to see that's how i would call the losers yeah i like that i like that i would also like to see mission one with this crew oh yeah because they know each other really well by this point i think a little bit of origin and then to see that knowing the betrayal that's coming up kind of hits a little differently Mm -hmm. um for recasting, though, I went pretty lateral on a lot of it. Um, for Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character, Clay, I had Hugh Jackman. Yes. Um, they just they got they got the chin for it. Uh-huh. Um, and then for uh, for Zoe Saldana of Aisha Asha Aisha I Aisha. can't remember Aisha. Thank you. Um, I had Zendaya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I, I also think that it would be fun to to mix up the comedy side because originally you know, got Chris Evans for Jensen and I was like, oh, Chris Pratt. But I was like, what if it was Josh Hutcherson? Oh, yeah. I think I think that playfulness, that future man style uh, yep. comedy that he has would be really fun. Then for 
let's see. For Roke, I had Sterling K. Brown. And for uh, Cougar, I had Eugenio Derbez from How to Be a Latin Lover. And he was Mm -hmm. uh, in Dora the Explorer. And he's done a ton of stuff. But um, I just think he's really great. And then for Pooch, I had uh, Stephen Young from Walking Dead. Um, it's Glenn from Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he has that that young energy that Pooch really brings to the to the group. And uh, yeah, that's really all I, I had for the recasting. Uh, and like I said, for Max, just bring in Keanu Reeves. That's all I want. I, I just think that, want the double cross. Oh, one hundred percent. For my recast, uh, I I decided to just borrow from another team of people um, who I would love to see work together again. Uh, So I have John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Adam Driver. um, And then I want to have Isabella Merced. Uh, I know her from Instant Family and Dora the Explorer. Um, And then um, I would honestly, I mean, I would love for basically to see a an official sequel um with those people but then it's the original team but basically they pass the torch off to the new losers and we call Mm. it the new losers uh and then runners up (laughs) and so everyone just kind of passes the torch off to those people and and i'm willing for anyone to kind of take on uh any kind of different role that i think would be fitting uh for them I think one of my favorite ideas that for something that didn't happen was with uh, the Ghostbusters answer the call. Uh, I thought that it was going to be kind of like what they did with the extreme Ghostbusters animated series where basically the old generation either recruits and or leads the team of new uh, members of this once uh, united front. And so I just thought that that's just a really fun. It's kind of like the Batman Beyond dynamic of just like, okay, older Bruce Wayne can't really fight out there. So he has to be the man in the chair and then allow the new Batman to kind of form their own kind of legacy and do what the older generation can't do anymore. So I like that bridge. I like that kind of companion piece. And so I would love to see that happen uh, with the new losers. Yeah, no, I like that. And this whole movie has that whole dynamic of being able to plug and play different personalities, like a like a Guardians of the Galaxy or Suicide Squad. Yeah. So, no limits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. All right, now we're going to go into our final part of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend The Losers? I recommend The Losers because it's a lot of action. It's very funny. Um, but it also is a really refreshing one and done story where it's not going to connect to anything else. And you don't have to follow a decade of films just to watch it. You can hop right in, experience these characters, uh, go through all the twists and you're out. So, uh, you know, every now and then that's really fun to just come across something like that, that still plays to the genre that we really like, uh, but also doesn't require that level of commitment. And the acting's fantastic. I mean, we went through all the awards and stuff. Like, you have grade-A actors in the entirety of this cast. So it's it's fun to see now, especially knowing where the careers are headed for these actors. And at a point that's right on the cusp of all of them just exploding. So, uh, And they were big then, too. But, 
Now they're just on a whole nother level. So to see them in a movie that you would be less likely to see them in now is really fun to be able to experience that that pocket of time. So uh, for all that, I recommend The Losers. Absolutely. Yeah, I would recommend The Losers because it's, <laughs> it is a... A surprisingly uh, fun look back at the the comic book movie genre of the early two thousands. Mm. Uh, I love how stylized it is, but I also love how it's it's equally comic book stylized as much as it is action movie stylized. Because we've talked oh, a lot yeah. a lot about uh, how much we love eighties action movies on those podcasts, just because you just know what you're gonna get. There's just a certain level of over the topness. That you're gonna get um, with the action sequences and the characters that are in it, and uh, and you can tell that everyone in this movie is just having a great time living out that kind of uh, uh, that role play of like these uh, almost otherworldly characters living in the reality of these overworldly or otherworldly things of like uh, you know just the villain Max was just not since. Uh, Colin Farrell in Daredevil. Have I seen someone love being a villain so much than <laughs> Jason Patrick? I'm just like, he is loving every every line he is given. He doesn't have a ton of lines in this movie, but he's loving every single word of it. Yeah. And it was really that wasn't going to throw him off the building, Nod. <laughs> no, that was, that was like him at most. But it does seem to have the desired effect. Okay, throw him off the building. <laughs> it's just like such a great, such a great moment. And so, yeah, I recommend it for that. And it's uh, especially today uh, when we feel like the superhero genre is so established. It's fun to see how uh, it looked different and how it can look different. And uh, makes me hopeful for other future iterations of movies that we get. Because at the end of the day, the real losers were the friends we made along the way. Wow. That's never worked better. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And that is our review of the 2010 movie, The Losers. Let us know what you remember about The Losers movie. I feel like I should clarify. Uh, It's like, I knew this guy who sat behind me. And he, what a loser. Uh Uh, But let us know what you remember about the movie The Losers on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. It really does help the podcast out. I know everyone asks for it, but... But we really mean it. We No one knows about us. Uh, no, you know about us, and that matters to us. I don't want to underplay that. Are you telling me that we haven't intentionally been underground for six years? <laughs> no, you know, I, I like that. Uh, that. Let's go with that headcanon. Uh, so on a scale of one to five losers, um, or I'm actually going to say on a scale of one to five Helicopters safely getting away with the children. If five helicopters where the children had safely made it away, wow, best case scenario. Oh man! But if if they but if no one if they don't rate a review, that means none of the children were safe, and that's you're really putting a lot on the rating <laughs> system this time. Okay, how about this? On a scale of one to five 
street vendor hot dogs. Mm, that's nice. That's nice. Or on a scale of one to five teeth that Zoe Saldana counted from the burning wreckage. <laughs> what? We didn't even talk about that line. Anyway. Hot dogs. Uh, I love it. Let, let us know um, how we're doing on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Free Guy, a movie about a video game uh, hitting theaters, we decided to take a look at... We decided to take a look at another movie about another game. Or I guess it's more about the ones who play games. You know, gamers. Game, gamer. Gamer. With gamer. Gerard Butler. Yeah. Butler, gamer. Butler, gamer. Frankincense, and mer. <laughs>